Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mike Springston, FFC Coaching You in the Word. Uh, today, we're going to share with you the message that we preached on Sunday morning, uh, July the 3rd at Family Fellowship Chapel. It is entitled Heavenly Communication. It is the third session on part four, part four and there will be a session four on part four coming shortly. Uh, this has been such a dynamic piece of scripture that we didn't want to leave anything out. At any rate, uh, we're going to go into the morning service in just a minute and look into the Word of God. We want to welcome all of those of you that download our teaching and preaching from around the country and around the world, all of those that visit our Facebook uh, uh, site, uh, hear us on Lift Him Higher Radio, and of course on this podcast. Uh, we want to invite you to contact us at springston56 at gmail.com, mikespringstonministries.com, ffcma.org, and of course through Family Fellowship Chapel's Facebook Messenger. Well, we're going to go in to the service. I will be back with you at the conclusion. God bless you as you study and hear His Word. Me in honor of the reading of God's Word, and we'll look at Heavenly Communication, Session 3 of Part 4. Of such a one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I should not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Father, I thank you for the word of God. I pray that you will... Open our eyes that we can see and our ears that we can hear and our heart that we can understand what the Word of God is saying to us and then allow us to apply it to our life so that we can be changed into the image of your dear Son. Father, I sanctify myself, surrender myself and yield myself to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because I know that as the Holy Spirit speaks, He is speaking from words that are spoken directly from Jesus who is speaking out of the throne room concerning the words that we need to hear. So I ask the Holy Spirit to use me today, use my faculties to minister to the people, and bless us, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, you may be seated. Today we're going to look at how Paul found out that the entrance into the presence of God brought the release of three very significant things. Now, I want to tell you that in prayer, here is the thing that most people do not look for. They do not expect. 
They are praying words that sound good. They are praying words that to their ear are expressing exactly what it is that they think they need to express so that God will have a clear picture of what it is that you need. So we're speaking out and telling God the details of what it is that's going on in our life that we absolutely have to have God without question no, no, undoubtedly, you've got to deal with this God. And we never realize that what we should be looking for is how our prayer life can bring about the release of grace. If your prayer is releasing a bunch of words that never find a release of grace, then you need to examine how you're praying. Now Paul, Paul was the one, if we remember, when we started in 1 Corinthians, that in the first 10 verses, Paul is the one that taught us about the names of Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is the one that taught us about the man in the Godhead. Paul is the one that taught us about the high priest. Paul is the one that did all of that. We are the ones that have uh, avoided it, have missed it, have never understood it, have never do, uh, uh, taken a dive into it to see why did Paul, in the first ten verses of the book of 1 Corinthians, Use the names of Jesus Christ, his Lord, in every verse for ten consecutive verses. What was Paul saying? Well, to find that out, we have to go back to Acts chapter 18. Because in Acts chapter 18, the Bible declares that the Lord said to Paul, Paul, I want you to understand that I do not want you to speak out of fear. I do not want you to hold your peace. But I want you to go into the Corinthians and I want you to tell them the word of God without any fear of retribution. So Paul comes into the people of Corinth and he immediately begins to expound upon the names of Jesus Christ, his Lord. Now Paul, in this chapter, chapter 12, has entered into the third heaven. He has gone in before God, and the question is, how, why and how did he get there? Well, he got there because he was able to understand the process that God has designed through the names of Jesus Christ, our high priest. Now watch it now. Jesus has been your Savior. He has forgiven you of your sins. Christ has been your victoriously anointed who came out of the pits of hell in the 
force by the force of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul's writings in Ephesians 1. He came out of there as the victoriously anointed Christ. He is then the one who ascended into glory, where he became the high priest over his own sacrifice. According to the book of Hebrews, he sprinkled blood on the vessels of ministry. Then, from there, he entered into the throne room of God where he was declared the Lord. Paul told us that in Philippians chapter 2. Where every knee would bow and every tongue confess that, watch it now, Jesus Christ is what? Lord. Now then Paul goes over into Colossians and he identifies him in another way. He identifies him as the man in the Godhead bodily. So Paul understood in prayer how to go from words into the presence of God and then how to, because of that, have grace released to him. Now Paul's grace release brought about a completely different attitude in Paul. Now I want you to see that. Paul's grace release brought about a completely different attitude in Paul. Well, what makes you say that, Pastor? Because I read the scripture. He said, for I would desire glory, I wouldn't be a fool. I wouldn't be a fool. It's a completely different attitude. Then he goes down in verse 9 and says, most gladly then would I rather glory in my infirmities. You mean the thing that you have begged God three times to deliver you from, all of a sudden you're going to glory in the fact that you didn't get what you wanted? You're going to glory in the fact that an infirmity that the enemy has put upon you to hurt you and bring you down? Now you're going to say glory to God. Thank God for this infirmity. And that's exactly what Paul did. Changed his whole attitude. Why? Because he found grace to be better than the relief from what was wrong in his body. He found the strength in Jesus Christ to be better in grace than to be not buffeted. What a concept. How did he get there, Pastor? He found how to release grace. That's the secret here. He found out how to pray until he could get into the throne room of God. Now, as I've told you before, and I'm not going to belabor the point because you know this, there are four phases of grace. There is the phase of favor. That's the phase where you get saved. There is the phase of influence. That is the phase where... You grow and mature in grace. There is the phase of the way God does things. That is your ministry that you're equipped to do so that you can come into the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ Jesus. And then there is the last phase, which is the phase of the open heaven of grace, whereby God brings about his judgment. Well, what is his judgment in the open heaven of grace? 
Well, his judgment to the believer who knows how to get to the open heaven of grace is that every promise in him is yea and amen. See, Paul got into the place where God could say to him, what you want in your body is not what you need in your spirit. And Paul was able to say, I would rather have in my spirit what you think is sufficient for me than to have in my body the complete wellness and the complete fullness. See, Paul stopped looking at the flesh. Paul stopped caring about the flesh. Paul looked at the flesh and said, I glory in the God of grace above how I feel, above what it looks like. Above what it sounds like. It doesn't matter to me how it makes me feel. I'm glorying in the grace that it... Because every time Paul gloried in the flesh, what did he get? He got the undergirding of the power and presence of Jesus Christ. What a great thing. We spend far too much time praying about fleshly things. We should be getting into the throne room of God, finding out how God is going. Sometimes he'll release grace to heal you. Why, you know that, Mike, because that's the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation has healing you. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he will say, my grace is sufficient. Many of us are going through things in life that we can't understand and we don't know why God is choosing not to deliver me, to take me out of it, to put me in some place better, to do something with me because I read in His Word that He said so and so and so and so. And God is saying to you, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for you. If you'll find the release of grace then you'll find a new attitude of thankfulness. Then you'll find a new attitude that you're able to look at your world and say, world, I'm not interested in how you make me feel. Flesh, I'm not interested in how you make me feel. I'm going to live in the grace that is full of the strength of Jesus Christ. Well, what a great thing to know. Now let's see. Let's begin today with verse 4. Paul said, He was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words. Heard unspeakable words. Caught up into a place that was going to be future happiness. The place that's going to be his to live in one glad morning when this life is over. It wasn't ready for Paul now. It wasn't for Paul to be there and live there. But it was a place that Paul could be caught up into. It's a place that you can be caught up into. Now, I want to say this to you, and I want you to hear me loud and clear. If one man, any man of flesh and blood, has ever been into the third heaven, then every man of flesh and blood has the right to go there. Someone said, yeah, Pastor, I know that's true because the Bible said that Jesus has prepared a place for us. If it were not so, I would have told you I ain't talking about that. If any man has come in the flesh and operated through the Spirit 
to get to where he is, to get the release of grace that Paul did, if any man, then every man can go the same way. If any man can go through the Spirit to get to the throne room of God, then every man can get through the Spirit. Huh? Well, yeah. That's why you must understand the names of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our God. That's how come you must understand that, because if you do not, then you are stuck looking into a glass ceiling. You know there's something better, greater, bigger, something more, but you don't know how to get there. But you're saying all the words. You're praying and you're saying, and you're reading the Scripture, and you're pulling the Scriptures out and saying, God, this is what your Word said. Oftentimes you don't know what the context of that Scripture is, why He said it, who He was saying it to, how it should be applied. But you're doing it nonetheless. But if any man can get there, every man can get there. And that's the message of Paul that I want you to see here. How do I know? I, I, in a, when I read the account of Paul, he said in verse 5, Of such one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory. Now watch what he said there. He said, I can't glory in myself. What's he saying to him, to us? He's saying, I can't glory in the flesh. It ain't the flesh that got me where I am. It isn't the flesh that allowed me to get caught up to the third heaven. It was all done in the spirit world. It was all done because I came through, got out of my flesh, and watch this word, identified with Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, and the man in the Godhead. How do I know that? Because he said so. He said, if you'll be an imitator of me, as I've imitated Christ, didn't he? He said that I want to know him in what? The power of his resurrection. I want to know him. I want to be found knowing him. Every man, any man who wants to get to the depths and the maturity that is in Christ Jesus can get there. Paul said so in Ephesians chapter 4. He said, I cannot glory in my flesh. I cannot glory in what my flesh feels like. I cannot glory in anything that has to do with any of the attacks that are coming against my flesh. Can't do it. Can't do it. Now watch what he said. For though I would desire to glory, I will not be a fool. For I will say what? The truth. I will say the truth. And the truth is, this life you're living is not a flesh life. Now wait a minute, Pastor. What are you talking about? Well, now, there are two kinds of life, you know. There is life in the flesh. But the life you're living as a Christian is not a flesh life. It's a spirit life. If you're living in the flesh, then you're what? Fulfilling the deeds of the flesh. And the deeds of the flesh are in direct opposition to the deeds of the blood of Jesus Christ. So the life that you should be living is a life in the spirit. The walk that you should be walking is a walk in the spirit. 
Therefore, in the walk in the Spirit, if you are taught correctly and you're able to get out of your flesh and to understand the names of Jesus Christ, our High Priest, our Lord, and our God, then you will begin to revel and glory in what He's done. Nothing that you have done. See, our world right now has a ministry going on that is reveling in what the preacher does. All reveling in what the preacher does. The preacher revels in himself. They think they're the greatest thing since sliced bread, rock and roll, and the dollar bill. You know how I know it? Because they think they're so good they'd be begging money off of you all the time. Call for money. Call for money. Call for money. I'm so good that you need to give me money so that I can keep being what? So good. The truth of the matter is, my friend, we can't revel in ourselves. This is about Jesus Christ, the high priest, the Lord, and our God. Someone said, well now, pastor, don't we need to produce and promote the gospel? I was driving down the road the other day and passed six churches within two blocks. The church and the word of God is available everywhere and anywhere. And this church produces it all around the world and does not ask for one dime. Think about that, friends. Think about that. We have found a way to produce the Word, the, the Word of God, without fleecing the people. We give to our local church and we produce the gospel through means that are available and affordable and done in truth and the pastor doesn't drive a Cadillac and it doesn't live in a mansion and it doesn't wear thousand dollar suits. No, no. The word of God is about what the Spirit of God is doing. And we obey the Spirit of God and preach the word of truth without the people having to be fleeced for the benefit of the ministry. But that ain't the case everywhere, is it? For though I would desire to glory. Now watch this now. This is Paul. This Now, now look here. This is not Joe Schmo from Kokomo fitting to say what he's just about to say. He said, I would not desire to glory because I ain't going to be a fool. I'm not going to glory in what I can do. Now let me tell you why Paul would say that. Because obviously in Acts chapter 18, Paul had some trepidation, some fear. Paul had some things that were bothering him because he was in a place in Jerusalem where there were people there that he had led on the slaughter of Christians, on the imprisonment of Christians, and he to them was a traitor. So Paul had those in the crowd that would look at him and say, I don't believe it. 
And you're a traitor and you deserve what a traitor gets. So Paul obviously had some issues. But the Lord spoke to him and said, Paul, do not fear. Do not fear. I asked the Lord this week, I said, how did Paul preach? Show me in the scripture how Paul was able to live an anointing revelation and demonstration. I got home, the Holy Spirit took me to Acts chapter 18 and I saw the whole thing. Because in Acts chapter 18, the Lord told Paul, listen man, you go speak the word and don't fear a thing. There's nobody in Corinth going to hurt you. There's nobody in Corinth going to harm you. You just go tell it like it is. Speak the word of God in truth. Don't hold your peace. Because there's nothing there that's going to hurt you. And he said, now watch this. He said, there are plenty of my people in the city. There are plenty of my people in the city. Paul said, I'm not going to be a fool. Because I know me. I know that I would be fearful. I know that I would walk lightly. I know that I would be very careful about how I said what it was that I said. But Paul found the release of grace. But now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be or heareth of me. Now, again, when we contrast this with the world of ministry that we have today, we find a completely different avenue. We find a completely different avenue. We find people standing to pat themselves on the back about things that God is doing. Paul said, I'm not going to be a fool about that. And lest I should be exalted. Look at that. Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Did you see that? Did you see the word? Did you see what he said? He said, lest I should be exalted above measure through, now get it now, listen to what he's saying, through the abundance of revelations. Through the, where did Paul get all these revelations? Where did Paul come into the place where he could have the revelation of God? Where that he could make the statement, here is the mystery hidden from the foundation of the world, it is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Where did he get the revelation that we are saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God? Where did he get that? Where did he get the word of God that said, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you're able to ask or think by the power of God that works in you? Where did he get that? He got that in the throne room of God. When he was called up in prayer, there in the spirit, he began to hear things that were unthinkable and unspeakable. But the spirit of God gave it to him and he came back into himself and began to preach a gospel without fear. We're walking in fear today. We are living in fear. We are waiting for the other shoe to drop. Every place you turn, people are telling you, well, now things are going to change. The church world's going to change. The government's going to change. Progressiveness is going to change it. We're going to go through this, that, and the other. 
And I want to tell you today that all may be true, and I want to tell you why. Because everything that happens in the Word of God has to have a catalyst. God, in His Word, uses a catalyst to bring about an event. Someone said, now preacher, what do you mean by that? All you have to do is look at the cross. There was a catalyst. What was the catalyst? There was Jesus Christ preaching the Father. What did the catalyst do? It made all of the religious Jews angry. What did that catalyst produce? Well, it produced the cross. See, everything has a catalyst. If Jesus is to return and be sent, there must be a catalyst. But, <clears throat> if you and I spend our time, now I want you to hear what I'm about to say because this is straight out of the Spirit. If you and I spend our time worrying about the infirmities of the flesh, we will miss the abundance of the revelation of what God is trying to get to us in the spirit world so that we can know that we know that we know because we know, because we have been knowing, because we have understood and know that my grace is still as sufficient for you as it ever was. Your flesh will then have to do the same thing Paul's did and stand up and say, thank God for my problems in the flesh. Thank God for my weaknesses in the flesh. Thank God for what he has shown me is coming against my flesh. Why? Because we will look up and say, His strength is so great that in the middle of my weakness, I see the hand of Almighty God. I see the power of the blood. I see Jesus Christ as the high priest who can be touched with my infirmities. I see Him as the Lord over heaven, earth, and hell. I see Him as the man in the Godhead who is communicating to me and guiding me and leading me and reproving me and showing me righteousness and showing me the result of the ungodly therefore I rejoice give the Lord a hand clap of praise through the abundance of revelation critical notice how Paul came out of the encounter with a deeper grasp than ever before on what he needed to minister to his people. What he needed to give without fear. What he needed to speak so that he wouldn't hold his peace. Now I'm going to tell you this. Listen carefully. You're coming out of prayer with nothing. You're coming out of prayer with nothing. You're coming out of prayer with nothing. Because you don't know how to pray. You don't know how to get to the room of grace. You don't know how to get grace appropriated to you. Paul has shown us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 how to get it appropriated. Well now preacher, make it plain for me. Get into the throne room of God. Get into the... Well wait a minute. 
They've told me for years that I have access into the throne room of God uh, where I could come in boldly. And I can access, find, and obtain grace and mercy to help in time of need. And Father, and preacher, that's what I thought I've been doing. Well, I have to ask you a question. Have you been doing it through the correct process? Now, I want to show you this, and I want you to hear me. If you need to be saved, all you have to do is say, what? Lord, forgive me. That's it. That simple prayer right there will activate what Jesus has done for you. It'll do it just that fast. Now, and the question is, now what? Now what do you do? Now what do you do? Do you blurt out, okay, now I've got a son or a daughter that ain't doing good. Do you say, Jesus, forgive me. Is that your prayer? But if it is, and you look around and your daughter and your son ain't doing no good, ain't getting nowhere, always having a problem, you have to ask, well, now I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm going to Jesus. What did Jesus do at the cross? Well, He forgave me my sin, my transgression, my iniquity. He brought back my lost peace. And by His stripes, He rebuilt, reconnected my spirit to God. How's that helping your kids? Now that's how the, what the Word of God said in Isaiah 53. Getting the prayer of salvation is like that. Now though you must go deeper. If you're going to have the grace of influence and the grace of the way God does things and the grace of the release of the judgment that is in heaven, you're going to have to go deeper. You're going to have to understand something more about prayer. Now Jesus said himself. He said, our Father which art in heaven. Look at here. Where did Jesus go with prayer before he even got started? Where did he go? Did he go and say, God forgive me? No, he talked about his relationship with God in where? Heaven. He talked about his relationship to heaven. And it is your relationship to heaven that is going to impact your ability to get to where grace can be released for you. If you don't get into it, then you'll walk away from it and it'll be a glass ceiling. Someone will have told you it will be, listen, literally, it'll be a concept you heard about. But whenever you grow into this thing of prayer, you move past the stage of forgiveness. Then you move over here into the stage of burial. You go to the tomb with Jesus. You identify with a life where your flesh dies. If your flesh is still living and you're operating in open sin, in opposition to the word of God, then the Bible said that you are praying in an unrighteous condition. The prayer of an unrighteous man is what? Not heard. Only the prayer of the righteous 
So I got to get out of my flesh, friend. Then I got to get into the alive life that's in Jesus Christ. I got to get my spirit changed until it's in the alive life. I died in my soul. Now I got to get my spirit to where I can move into the spirit world. Now then from there, I got to recognize that Peter said that we're all a royal priesthood, a peculiar people and a holy nation. So I got to go to the priesthood. Then I got to understand what Paul taught in Philippians chapter 2 and know that he is my Lord. And that everything in this world, under this world, and above this world is under his control. Now I've gotten somewhere. Now I'm able to look into this world and get grace released. Because who's in control of it? Well, pastor, you just told me it was Jesus Christ who had become our high priest. Stepped into the throne room of God and was named Lord. How do we know that? Because he told us so. Where did he tell us that? Matthew 28, Mark 16. He became Lord over it. Now when I see him as Lord and identify with him as Lord, everything changes. Because now I could go to him in his Lordship and I could say, Lord, my son Mike, my son Chris, my daughter, and I could call them by name. And guess what he is? He's Lord over them. Guess what happens now? My grace, my child, is sufficient. My grace is sufficient for them. And the Spirit of God can begin to be activated. How, Mike? How? Because the man in the Godhead is speaking to the Spirit of God. And he's telling the Spirit of God, I'm releasing you to go reprove them. I'm releasing you to go convince them. I'm releasing you to go and cause them to hear the conviction of the Word of God. And I'm releasing you to minister to them. Now, are they going to be saved overnight? I don't know. Are they going to be changed overnight? I don't know. I'm just telling you where grace is released because your children, your daughter, your boss, your husband, your wife, your community are all under their own ability to make a choice. But here is the thing that I can tell you. That when you have walked into the throne room of God, you have enhanced the probabilities infinitely. Look what Paul said. Paul said, when I went there, I received something. I received the superabundance of more than enough of a revelation. You're going to be given a means and a way to interact with your situation, with your problem. You're going to be given a means and a way that will allow you to minister words through the Holy Spirit. That's going to impact, influence, change, transform your situation. But our current methods of prayer aren't getting that done. Paul is teaching that in verse 7. He's saying there's an abundance of revelation when you get in the throne room of God. Well, I'm done for today. Bow your head and close your eyes. Well, I hope you enjoyed that teaching. I'm going to follow that up with the next podcast on the conclusion of that um, message. 
It'll be session four of Heavenly Communication, part four. I appreciate you um, downloading our information, our teaching and preaching. Please contact me at any of the, uh, using any of the avenues that um, I have mentioned earlier. We love you and we appreciate you and we always enjoy seeing our uh, Bible's teaching downloaded, and we appreciate you for doing that. Well, if you'll find him as Lord, if you'll get into the throne room of God, find him as Lord, you'll find out that everything has a name and is under his lordship. If you'll find him as God, he'll begin to communicate to you through the Holy Spirit and lead you and guide you into the thing that we need more than we need anything else, and that is truth. May God bless you until we speak again.